0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, I am joined by world-renowned Scottish middle and long-distance runner, Ailish McCorgan. Eilish picked up the sport of running at just seven years old and since then has gone on to become one of Scotland's most decorated middle and long distance runners ever. In 2016, Eilish won gold at the European Championships in Amsterdam and silver at the Indoor World Championships in Portland, Oregon. Off the track, Ailish has also had great success academically as she holds a BSc Honours Degree in Sports Science from Stirling University and is also an ambassador for various charitable organisations such as the Right to Play UK and Ireland and the British Heart Foundation Scotland, just to name a few. Ailish enjoyed an incredible 2022 winning Commonwealth Gold and breaking her mother's 10,000 metre record. Ailish has had a phenomenal career full of achievements so far and continues to inspire athletes all over the world with her commitment to excellence both on and off the track. And just before we jump into this episode, a massive thank you to the three sponsors of this podcast. So, Kilter, what is Kilter? Well, Kilter is a combination of ingredients that will take your lower limbs through a process of recovery and preparation for sport. Users first notice an extended cooling period that takes the heat out of weary muscles. After about half an hour, this passes, but the long-term benefits are just getting started. Emollients in the kilter formula are held against the skin for as long as possible by the unique socks and sleeves. These are the reason the cool down lasts as long as it does, and they are why your skin gets the maximum possible moisturization and conditioning. So what all of this does is actually keep your skin more elastic, more abrasion resistant, and less likely to blister. And this product has has backing. It's been tested by ultra marathoners, footballers, adventure racers, and Ironman triathletes, a lot of great athletes. So the formula's unique, the garments are unique, and together they form the finest conditioning and recovery system on the market today. So check this out, and you can find out more information by heading to kilter.com and that's q-i-l-t-a.com elitewear was formed by former Royal marine commandos who have a passion for fitness and to reward all those who served with a permanent discount the elite logo represents strong body strong mind for better mental health the logo appears in a form of a fitness or bodybuilders triangle representing a symbol of strength and unity Help us and them spread the message to the world and tell all your family and friends who serve in the blue light services or armed forces and help them save to keep fit and active in their respective roles. We thank all those who serve for their service and we know just how hard and mentally challenging times can be. And our message is to never give up and to reach out if you need to. So find out more about Elite Wear, what they stand for and the products they offer by heading to www.elitewear.co.uk. Thank you to Dryrobe. Dryrobe Dry Robe is the original outdoor changing robe designed to help you get active outside whatever the weather. A bit like having your own portable changing room, the oversized design of the Dry Robe Advance gives you plenty of space to get changed in and out of a wetsuit or sports kit but is versatile enough to be worn as a coat or jacket. The windproof and waterproof outer protects you from the elements whilst it's super warm inner lining helps you to dry off quickly after getting out of the water. What people really love about Dryrobe Robe Advanced, though, is its versatility. It's perfect for a huge range of outdoor activities, including surfing, wild swimming, triathlon, paddleboarding, mountain biking, camping, and even just going to walk your dog in the torrential rain. So it's great for a number of different things. And to find out more and check out their range of products, head to dryrobe.com. Okay, I think it's time to get into our conversation with Ailish. Thank you so much for listening to the messages from our sponsors. They really, really do help support the podcast, so please go and check them out, which means that we can keep having amazing guests on these episodes. Without further ado, let's get straight into this conversation with Ailish McGorgan. Thank you so much. I've whisked you away from a really busy really busy national running show where you've been taking loads of photos and chatting to loads of people. Um, How was that? How was speaking here?
1: Yeah, it was cool. There was um, a a lot of people turned up, which was really nice. It's always a little bit overwhelming um, to, yeah, I'm just not quite used to that. But um, no, it was really nice. There's been so many people messaging over the last couple of weeks In were coming to the running show and they were going to come on sunday to come and watch me uh chat so yeah it's been really cool
0: has it been quite surreal in the last year seeing that kind of just explosion obviously a really successful 2022 but uh, like you said coming here and it very overwhelmed, people telling you their stories and about their running and wanting to know more and like photos and things like that it's just been like a whirlwind
1: uh yeah it's definitely been a, a blur like 2022 is a year that i'll remember for a very long time um even today, people are telling me they were like crying with their TVs and are shouting at their standing on their sofas, shouting and cheering. And even the number of people that are actually in the stadium was really cool as well. So it's um, yeah, it's nice to be back in Birmingham and sort of relive those those memories, yeah. but with other people.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you very much for, for having a quick chat with us. Um, a, a question that we asked everyone that, that comes to chat is what do you love about being outside and active?
1: For me, it's just a mental release especially running like just being outdoors in the fresh air it just clears my mind it helps me arrange my thoughts it's just I mean sometimes people ask what do you think some days it's nothing at all like you can just literally be thinking about nothing other days it can be a song other days you can really be processing what's going on in the day so it's it's different to me day to day but it is just that that sort of mental release and escapism
0: have you always been active since you were young
1: yeah. I mean, I've did so many different sports. I've always been really energetic. And so my mom and dad just put me into everything. Um, <laughs> I went swimming as a kid. I mean, I played badminton at like my local sort of leisure center. Um, anything at the leisure center, I was down there doing. And I even played golf for a little bit because we live on, near a golf course. And my dad golfs a lot. So I had tried everything. But for me, running was just the one that I loved the most for whatever reason. Mm. I don't know why. I can't really quite pinpoint why either. But Running was my my passion.
0: Did you realize you were good at it, or did someone tell you, you were good at it at a certain point, And did that help then the enjoyment of it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like my parents have always said that I had a knack for running and that I had the ability and the talent to do it, but um, your parents are always going to love you and tell you <laughs> that you're great. So it wasn't probably until I went to. I joined the local running club. I remember getting like scouted at a cross country. And I say scouted, they take like the top ten, top fifteen kids, but you feel special like yeah. when someone's picked you to go along and join the club, the big club. And um it wasn't really until I probably went to the club and I started racing. And I had quite a lot of success when I was sort of under thirteen age group. You sort of think, Yeah, this is something I could be really good at. But I didn't always have that success, certainly through the uh under 15 under 17 i mean i was running no quicker when i was 17 18 year old than i was when i was like 13 so that's a bit more challenging but mm. for whatever reason i loved running and i stuck i stuck at it and we're still here today
0: Could you, uh, in the early parts of your career it was steeplechase that mm. maybe not many people know as much as about which is well explain a little bit for someone who might not know as much about steeple steeplechase yeah,
1: so the steeplechase is three thousand meters on the track Um and it has a barrier every. I don't actually can't even remember how many <laughs> barriers there are. I feel distance. like there's thirty-five barriers. I think right. across the whole event, um, and it's not like a hurdle. Like a hurdle, you hit the hurdle will fall over and you can continue running. If you hit these barriers, <laughs> you're not continuing on. Like they yeah. they aren't movable. They're they're robust. Um, so you really do have to clear it entirely. So I suppose it's a a mixture of strength and endurance just in the fact that as you get tired obviously over the three thousand and you're still having to jump and clear these barriers. And of course then we have the water jump at the very bottom, um, around hundred and fifty meters from the, the finish line. Um and that's really the main challenge as well, having to clear the water pit as as best as you can. So it puts a lot of impact through the body, through the joints, um and I suppose that's why it's such a it's probably the most gruelling sort mm. of Track event, I think there really is, and that's why so many people pick up injuries. My, myself included.
0: Is that what? Is that was that part of the reason why you then switched to flat twenty fourteen? Obviously, a foot injury yeah. was that part of the decision making.
1: Yeah, it was the full decision behind that. Really, I um, I already suffered uh, a serious injury in two thousand eleven from the steeple chase. I. I have five screws and a metal plate in my left foot. And then in 2015, I broke it again and I had another two screws put in there. Um, And I just couldn't run through the pain. Like I used to train twice a day every day, run twice a day every day. And the pain was so much that I couldn't even go up into my toes, never mind steeplechase or Mm. hurdle. It just wasn't happening. I couldn't hop, never mind jump. So we made the decision there that I'd switch to the flat events. And I sort of thought further down the line, maybe I'd come back to the steeplechase, but in all honesty, I just don't think I'm, I was, I wasn't prepared for it or robust enough. I think you have to do so much strength work and gym work right. Um, prior to becoming a steeplechaser. I think that's really important. So for me, I just wasn't, I hadn't prepared the way I should have done. And um, yeah, the flat events have worked out for me. I've, I've <laughs> yeah. improved year on year. So I've never really felt the need then to go back to the steeplechase. And in all honesty, it became a bit of a fear as well. I didn't enjoy it. Um, It's not fun when you're running in fear. On the flat events, I feel really fearless and can just really push myself. So yeah, it's been a a difficult transition, but I think it was one that sort of destined to sort of happen. It feels like a bit like fate now, to be honest.
0: And like you said, switching to the flats has done, has been very, very successful for you. And especially like we said, 2022, 20, but um, it was interesting. There's a quote on your website. So for every finish line, tape, a runner breaks, there are hours of hard and often lonely work that rarely gets talk about. Mm-hmm. And, Obviously, we see the success and the record-breaking and the, the medals of 2022, but how much work has gone into that, not only you know in the preseason leading up to 2022, but in the years before that of mental and physical building up before it, you then kind of reap the rewards?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of youngsters sort of maybe look for quick successes. You know, if they're not improving right now or they're not setting a PB when they're 15, 16, they think... I'm not any, any good at this and they sort of sack it off and quit. But actually just what you're doing in one year is something that will have an impact further down the line. Like yeah. it takes several years of training and building up that load and volume to eventually get your your final sort of performance from it. And I think that's what I've learned over the last couple of years. Like I changed my training drastically in 2015 when obviously I had this serious injury, mm-hmm. but then we changed things again in 2019 Um, And I feel like that's only really paying off now, in all honesty, like 2020 and 2021 were really consistent years for me where I was injured far less than I've ever been. Um, I still had his challenges, like you still pick up injuries and niggles and illnesses, but just not as many as I was dealing with previously. So instead of having only a couple of weeks behind me, I had months and months of training behind me. And actually that just continues to build and, I think that's really what twenty twenty two was for me. I had two really consistent years and twenty twenty two was like the payoff from that. Um but even twenty twenty two was challenging. Like I still I had COVID in February and that was seven weeks of disruption. Wow. Then I caught laryngitis, got rid of laryngitis and then got laryngitis again. So <laughs> So
0: there were obstacles. There were still a hell of a lot
1: yeah, there was a lot of obstacles in that year alone. Um but I suppose it's how do you uh, I suppose reduce them as much as you can or limit them as much as you can Yeah, because
0: you're never a hundred percent fit as an athlete there's always something but if you obviously the major things like you said laryngitis and covid and things like that are are obstacles
1: yeah and it's unavoidable sometimes as well that you can't as an athlete expect to go into every single championship being 100% healthy 100% fit and feeling great like there are going to be difficult times along the way but I felt like things really turned for me at the Commonwealth Games. That really was a, like a change in point for me. I'd had so many ups and downs to that point. I'd broke British records on the road and I thought, great, like this season's going to go brilliantly and then I'd get sick and then you'd sort of come back again and then you'd get sick again. So it's there's always a fine line, I suppose, when you are in peak condition, you're in peak form and you're pushing yourself as hard as we do and the amount of mm. travel on top of that, there's so many logistics that go to, together. Um, but I just felt... Almost like lucky to have Birmingham. I felt like that. I turned up there, and it all came together on that day. And it's very mm. rare as an athlete that you have that that moment. Um, so yeah, I feel, I say, I feel lucky for having that moment. But obviously, I know there's been a lot of work that's it's gone going into it. that as well,
0: and the the sacrifices that you make, and to, to then putting in the work to have such a great year, and it being such a whirlwind, like you said earlier. Do you have an opportunity to kind of sit back and, and look back and appreciate the time and take it all in? Because we're lucky enough to speak to Colin Jackson yesterday, and he said when he finished his career, he wished he'd been able to almost smell the roses and, and take in all of the achievements. So, do you allow yourself to do that, or is it kind of are you quite right next goal, next, next training session, even?
1: Yeah, I think as athletes, that's pretty much everyone's mindset is on to the next all the time. It's a good thing in that when you have a bad championship, you're so motivated to go to the next race, the next thing. But at the same time, then, when you've had a good one, yeah, you don't really take it in or enjoy it. And I hear this time and time again from professional athletes, and none more so than my own mum. Like, she said to me that she never really took the time to enjoy her successes. And that sort of sat with me a little bit. And there's a few things she said throughout her, like, over the last couple of years, or certainly when I was a teenager and stuff, that... I just felt it was quite sad that mm. she never really fully she almost didn't appreciate what she's achieved and she doesn't even now really have an awareness of actually what she's achieved. It's always sort of shrouded a little bit in she won an Olympic silver but it wasn't a gold. Or she was world champion but it could have been a faster time or it could have been it was always something else. You're always striving really for like the next thing and my mum won sports person out of the year, for example, but Didn't go to the party; just left straight. Wasn't even going to actually attend the event, but she eventually attended, then won it, and then was like straight back home uh, to to go to bed and just get up for training the next day. And she, I think, she just missed that sort of enjoyment. As you said, what Colin said, the exact same thing. And so, I've tried to like make a real this year, particularly. I've attended awards ceremonies I would never really attend because. I won't ever get. I might never get this moment again. Yeah. I might never have a year. I certainly won't have a home games where I've sort of been an underdog, come in and, and won it in front of all my family, my friends, mm. and a British crowd. So, yeah, there's been a few disruptions to training that I typically wouldn't do. But at the same time, I want to live my life. Like I don't want to look back when I am 40, 50, 60 and say oh, what I've achieved or question what I've achieved. I want to look back and go, do you know what? I had a great time. I enjoyed it. Um, and even if this is like the absolute peak of my career, then then so what? I tried. I Enjoy tried it. my best. Like I did everything I could. Like if this is, if I never win a global medal or a world medal, Olympic medal, then I'll still be pretty happy with my career. Like I've, as I said, I I know I've done it uh, the right way. I've pushed myself. Like I've done everything I possibly could. And if this is it, then this is it. Like I've enjoyed it. And I haven't, you say sacrifices, like I don't feel there's a huge amount of sacrifice, like I still live a relatively normal okay. life, I'd say the only biggest sacrifices are certainly uh, the time spent away from family and friends, that's a huge one for me, missing families, birthdays and weddings and anniversaries, like you're not there for moments in people's lives and that for me is the biggest challenge I think. Mm. Um Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest sacrifice.
0: Certainly not in the mindset of thinking I'm ready to give that up to you know for whatever's the next stage. I mean, I I wanted to ask you about um, uh, about the things that you're doing at the moment with uh, giving back to the track, which is which is awesome. I mean, like you said, you've been speaking to so many young people here that might be aspiring to be the next athlete um on on the on the circuit and what's the work that you're doing with that and why is it so important to try and get young female athletes and why is it so diff- difficult for them at the moment
1: i think obviously there's there's so many stats out there that we know that young women are dropping out of the sport from the age of probably maybe just younger than 16 through to 21 and it's an age group where you're navigating school exams what do you do next further education do you get a job? financially you're supported by your mum and dad, your guardians, whoever it is, and then it's like you're thrown into this big bad world and what do you do? And you're also trying to navigate not only exams and stresses but your own body's changing through puberty and growing and it's a lot of stress to then have the energy to still continue training and and keep keep working towards a goal that you're not really sure what the end goal is, if that makes sense. So we wanted to sort of, I certainly wanted to target that age group and women particularly because I know how difficult that is I've navigated it myself and we obviously help financially with a little bit of a grant but more so it's more like a not so much mentoring but just letting these young girls know that we believe in them like we believe they can make the next step to become a professional athlete and even that alone sometimes is enough to make you feel like I had that when I was younger there was a sponsor a local sponsor to me that stepped in when I was really badly injured and um, it was a small amount of money but it made a big difference to me because not only did they obviously give me a financial grant but it was more so somebody believing you that isn't your mum and dad and isn't your family having that external, it does and it's given that little bit of a boost when, when times are tough so it's also difficult in the, Scotland particularly, because the British Championships are in the UK every year, so that's not easy when you're trying to travel down to... And it's an expense, so it's trying to make their lives a little bit easier. We have sort of free webinars where we meet up um, every couple of months and they can chat to another female athlete that they want to speak to. They want to ask any question they can. It's a private conversation. Um, we had another athlete come on and speak about the menstrual cycle, how important that was that an athlete... That these young women are taking a period every month, that they're fueling correctly. Things that sometimes young athletes don't have anybody to ask these questions to. Like, I was lucky I had my mum and dad that were in athletics and understood it yeah. and I could speak to about it, my mum particularly. Um, but some of these young athletes don't. Their mum and dads aren't athletes. They don't have somebody at the club they can speak to or feel confident speaking to. So, that for me was a big area that we wanted to target. And then the other area is community athletics. So making sure that there's no barrier, financial barrier for young kids to join their local athletics club. So we have a free athletics club in Dundee, after school club, um, just one day a week at the moment. But the goal is to try and open that up in other areas. So um Aberdeen, Glasgow, Edinburgh is where I'd like to sort of target yep. next. And then eventually if I can build it um to other locations and just have a little bit of an avenue where they've got an after school club linked to their local athletics club so if they enjoy it they can go and we have some bursaries at the local club as well just to make sure that yeah financially that isn't a barrier because i know how sport can change it changed my life it changed my partner's life it changed my mum's life changed my dad's life like i know firsthand sport is powerful so it's just giving that opportunity even if it's one kid two kids
0: uh, you're making a difference to their life and that for them is is everything and like you said even if it's not financially but you obviously do do provide that as well it's just the value and the support and you can go and ask questions and talk about topics that maybe were a bit more taboo have many years ago and it's yeah, it's
1: yeah because not everyone can be the next Usain Bolt and Mo Farah as well and that's not what we're doing either we're not going in and just picking out the most talented kids and just supporting those because I was never the most talented kid growing up I had really good successes in under 13 but yeah 17 18 19 I was nowhere near but It took me to the age of 21 to make my first GB team. So that's another thing I say to these youngsters as well, is just because you don't have early success doesn't mean that you can't go on to make a GB team or get your first England vest or Scotland vest, whatever your goals are. Not everyone has to be striving for the Olympic Games. And also sport can just change your life with regards to the people you meet, the friends you make. It's not always about performance, or certainly that's not what we want it to be about either. It's about the community that sport can bring you athletics in particular running in particular um and what you can learn from that
0: because running is quite an individual sport but actually there's so many people in that in your team i imagine that go towards making a successful year or a successful race or an event so it's um it's that social aspect as well and i can imagine you've got a good team around you that, that support you as well
1: yeah i mean we're a very small team it's literally myself my boyfriend michael my mom uh, and then my dad chips in little bits of advice as well. So it's a small team Sporting in that evidence. sense, but it's, yeah, I think we're a powerful one and um, it's just having people around you that support you, I suppose, and strive towards the goals you want to achieve that believe in you, give you that. Cause I certainly am someone who gets confidence from others. I don't have maybe the biggest amount of like self-confidence or self-belief. I certainly, um, certainly as a youngster be very unconfident in my abilities didn't quite ever think I never thought running would be a job for me or that I'd make the Olympic Games or anything like that like I just liked running but I get confidence from others like I know that yeah I feed off of that from my mum and Michael's particularly like knowing that they believe in me and it makes me want to do it for them as well like it gives you an extra motivation I think um, so yeah I, th- I can sort of see that again with the giving back to track that we have just giving that little bit of a confidence boost um, to the younger generation so that they might believe in themselves because as I said it's not always just the, the people that are breaking records that go on to be successful athletes there's a lot more from the sport that you can get other than just performances
0: I wanted to ask you um, if you specialise in a few different distances but say going into an event or going into a, a Games if you're 5,000, 10,000, how does the preparation change depending on, the, like obviously you're competing in those in the span of days or the same day, but the, in terms of preparation going into there, are there slight differences you have to do in terms of pacing? For Obviously pacing's different, but different different t- training strategies or techniques depending on the race?
1: Um, for me this year, the 10K was always my priority. So that was the one that I was, all my training and stuff was sort of geared towards, There isn't a huge amount of changes I would do for a 5K because I'm certainly more of a strength-based runner. So if I'm in good 10K shape, I'm most likely going to be in decent enough 5K shape. But there's just a little bit more maybe specific faster work for the 5K that I would need to be doing. Um, But I wouldn't really be doing that until closer, maybe two competitions, maybe in the, the six weeks leading up to these three major championships when I'd start to speed up a little bit. So the volume would come down in the sessions and we'd start trying to, yeah, just turn the legs over at slightly faster than 5k pace so that that pace feels a little bit easier. But really the main goal this year was the 10. So I didn't put a huge amount of priority on the five. I think if I was certainly racing the 5k as a top priority, I would have been doing more 1500 meter races and 3k races to get that under distance. But for me, the 5k was almost my under distance for the 10 and we had obviously wanted to run a really good half marathon at the start of the year too. So that was always in the back of my mind. And I think for me, as I said, I'm more strength-based anyway. So a lot of my training will be more endurance, more longer work, building up that strength, and, and then sharpening up between the championships really and being fresh for the championships is probably my biggest challenge because I think as an athlete you always want to be training hard and pushing yep. and pushing, uh, tapering down and sort of making sure you're fresh is is probably the hardest bit.
0: I imagine you're competing with similar people as well throughout the season so you get to know the, the the people that you're running with. Do you have a look across the line and go, "Oh, I know that person likes to push the pace early" or I like to or you know, you get to used to how other people run or are you just simply focusing on your or on on your own race or do you have to think about oh, how the strategy might change, you know, halfway through a 10k? <laughs> to
1: be honest, this year I've purely focused on just running my own race. Um in the past I would definitely have let others dictate the pace and sit in and see how the first couple laps go and you sort of know how people tend to run but this year I purely just did my own thing just because in previous years I've finished at championships and being a little bit disappointed that I felt like I've either not finished feeling like I've given 100% or I've not quite ran the time I've wanted and it's no fun when you sort of come 10th place but run a slow time and you're like What was the point in that? So this year we sort of thought. I even said to my mum before um, the Commonwealth Games, I said, "I'm just going to run the race that I want to run, and if that brings me a medal, great. But if it doesn't, then I can be proud of knowing that I've done everything I could. Like I couldn't give any more, and I've run a time that I'm happy with as well. So really, that's what I set out with in a lot of my races this year, even the road races too. Just trying to just not get sucked into other people's pace or worry about what other people are doing. Um, and it seems to have worked really well. Like I'm, I'm pretty proud of the races that I've, I've done. Um, certainly on the roads now as it become a little bit more competitive over the half marathon distance, I'm going to have to start looking at racing other people rather than just focusing on myself right now, I suppose because it was very new to me, I wanted to learn more about it, but I think now is the time now where you start becoming a bit more competitive and going, actually let's trial going out crazy fast for a 10k at the start and just seeing how you hold on. <laughs> I was almost too scared to do that, not to be as aggressive. Um, I was sort of running my half marathons like we'll get to 10k and then push on from there rather than being more aggressive from the very start. So I think that's something that I'll, I'm will i looking forward to over the next couple of years is now trying to be yeah, a bit more attacking things a little bit more over the half and not being scared the distance. And it'll be the same for the marathon for me as well. When I move up to London, like London Marathon in April is my main goal. Yeah. But for me, that first one is, I'm not there to be competitive or to be sort of, not competitive, but I'm not putting so much pressure on that. It's for me, it's the first one. Yeah. I just want to debut. I want to get all the feeling correctly, feel good, feel strong, enjoy it. And then after that, you learn a lot from that. And then that's when you can be a little bit more aggressive and think, actually, yep, this is my tactic I'm going to use or this is the pace I want to hit. Um, and that's the way I feel now with the half. It's the same with that. I was very scared and anxious about it. But once I've done one, you become more confident from muscle that. Muscle
0: memory, I like I say, it links back into the confidence thing as well of saying, yeah. no, actually having the, the confidence in your in your abilities. So
1: I think so. I think so, yeah. That's what I'm hoping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you get a taste for breaking records is that a thing for you because like colin said it was just a pr for him rather than a like a world record or a record or whatever but for you is that like oh that's quite that's quite a cool thing i'd like to try and break go for a record on this or push this or push to myself. Be honest, i
1: always just try and aim for yeah pbs yeah. and even if again i've done that from when i was a kid and when i first started making GB teams i always just go into a race looking to pb because if you ran a pb and you've won it, great. If you've run a PB and you come fifth, or in the top five, you think, well, I've run a PB. Or even if you come 10th, last, whatever it is, you've still run a PB. So you've run the fastest you can possibly do. So for me, that's just mentally the way that I would go into a race, rather than worrying too much about positions all the time. But of, of course, the closer you get to the front, the more you start to think about positions. But certainly, I wouldn't go into races just thinking about the records all the time. I almost just think about... Yeah, my own personal best, which is which is a record essentially, but, but it's, it's just your, the mindset of thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, like I don't think of that being this sort of record time that I'm trying to strive to achieve. It's really just I want to aim as close as my PB as I possibly can, try and break my own personal best, um, which is difficult, I suppose, because you can't always run a PB. But certainly, as clear, yeah, I just try and do I get as close as possible as I possibly can, no more whatever the event is, whatever the distance. <laughs> I think it's just a good aim to always have in the back of your mind when you go into a competition.
0: So you keep pushing yourself as well, definitely.
1: Yeah, you don't ever sort of settle. You don't back off. You don't ease off the pace when you know that there's something you're trying to strive to achieve. And that's the same thing even if I said you're at the the back end of the field, you'll still keep pushing because you're just pushing for your own time. And that's probably one of the best things about running as well, why why there's so many hundreds of people out there that enjoy running. Because doesn't matter if you're first or last, everyone's got their own personal yeah. time that they're trying to achieve, whether it's a park run, whether it's the Olympic Games, it doesn't really matter. Like everyone's just trying to get their own goals. Um And that's why I think so many people do fall in love with running. It's that self-improvement
0: which gives you a boost. Just before I ask you a last question, if you look back to yourself in London 2012 to then where you are now, but Tokyo 2021, where you are now, what's the biggest difference in you?
1: Um... Yeah, I'd say confidence for sure. I think I didn't, I suppose you just learn a lot. Like I went into the London Olympics and that was like being thrown into the deep end of a swimming pool, not knowing how to swim. <laughs> like I just, I had never been at that competition, that high a competition before, dealing with that many spectators cheering for you, the media, um, everything around it. It was just so overwhelming and I just wasn't quite prepared for it. But in all honesty, I feel like that has helped me to this day because nothing was ever quite as big as that or I certainly didn't feel it was as big as that ever again because it was home Olympic Games, it was the absolute pinnacle and it was my first ever champs Um, but Birmingham for me was obviously really special, it felt just as big as that having another home Games but you feel just much more prepared for it perhaps because you've been through that experience before you're constantly learning, you're constantly adapting and I think that's even what I do now, even this is like my so many number of champs I've been to, I still learn something from every single one and how to deal with the pressure, how to deal with the nerves. You just become less nervous. You almost channel the nerves into performing rather than the nerves ruining your performance. And it's difficult to, people say, how do you do that? And I don't know. I think it just comes with time. I think you just naturally, yeah, become a lot more confident in your own abilities as well and your own
0: experiences as well i imagine i
1: think so when you've been there and done that you almost know you learn from your mistakes and i'm lucky i can learn from the mistakes my dad made in his career my mom made her career michael made in his career it's like you can learn from others as well as to not fall into those same traps um so yeah i feel in a very fortunate position and to to be able to learn from other people's mistakes and my own mistakes but i'd say confidence is probably the biggest one um I was just petrified in London 2012 <laughs> I didn't even really want to be there because it was just so overwhelming whereas Pressure, now yeah. I enjoy it like I want to be there I do all this training to be on the start line um, so it's yeah perhaps just an evolve, evolving mindset I think is what is the difference from then until now
0: well c- congratulations for an amazing year and hopefully this year is is it goes as exactly how you, how you want it to um the the final thing is a piece of advice. So someone leaves a piece of advice to a next guest, a previous guest, to, to, to you, and then I'll ask you for a piece of advice. So the, the piece of advice from someone who was on before is from Renee McGregor, who nutritionist and dietitian, who um, says learn to be more self-aware and I think through the conversation that you've had about where you find yourself now of wanting to take in all of your success and and appreciate what you're doing I think that that certainly advice would would resonate so then it's up to you Uh, it can be about anything doesn't have to be about running but just a piece of advice that might resonate with you that you think someone else would enjoy
1: um I think the biggest thing I learned probably was focusing on yourself rather than worrying about others and that doesn't have to just be sport it could be other people's perception of you um especially nowadays like with social media and trolling online and people have so many opinions on what you do what you look like what your job is how much money you earn it's like it's everything else other than actually are you just a good person or not <laughs> you know what? there's there's yeah. so many other the extras added on top so for me it's I think the biggest thing I've learned over the years is just concentrate on you and focus on you. And if that's making if you've got the right people around you, you're happy, you're healthy, then that's really all that matters. It shouldn't really matter what other people's opinions are of you. Um or if someone else, especially in running, if someone's doing a hundred miles a week and they're winning all these things, you know, oh I need to be doing that, or I don't know, someone earns this amount of money and that's what you feel you should be doing that's not you like you just focus on what you're doing if you as long as you enjoy it and it's something that you are passionate about then just keep going and i think that's the best thing i could say not only just to young kids coming up certainly young kids focus on yourself don't worry about others but yeah even as an adult as well i think it's very easy to get stuck into comparisons um yeah it's finding your own happiness and focusing on yourself is the most important
0: bit that's a great way to finish thank you so much
1: no worries thanks for having me
0: and thank you so much for listening to that episode of the outside and active podcast if you think you know someone who would enjoy that just as much as you have then please please forward it on to them let's grow this outside and active community and if you did enjoy it then please leave a review again it really really helps to grow the community and also it's nice to see some amazing feedback if you want to check out more, then head to OutsideAndActive.com and you can see the full back catalogue of our podcast guests and also a number of different amazing articles, no matter how you like to get outside and active. And just a final note to say thank you to the three podcast episode sponsors, Kilter, Dry Robe and Elite Sportswear. As I said at the beginning, please make sure you head over and check them out at their respective websites. It really helps us out and also they're awesome brands. So... Slightly biased, but go and check out all of the cool things they have to offer. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Outside and Active Podcast. My name's Ben Dominic Brown, and until next time, enjoy the outdoors.